Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. All right, so where are you taking us today? I'm taking you to the only ATM machine in East Palo Alto. It is off University Avenue, and it is a pretty busy place on most days. Why are we here? This ATM machine is the only bank presence in East Palo Alto. In a city surrounded by a hell of a lot of wealth and money, it's astonishing that there's no commercial bank in East Palo Alto. That's why one resident has started a petition to get one to come to the city in Silicon Valley. Today, why East Palo Alto is being ignored by banks even as the city gentrifies. I'm Devin Kadiyama. welcome to the Bay. Is it true that there are just no banks in East Palo Alto? There's one credit union, but there are no commercial banks in East Palo Alto. This is Tanya Mosley. She is KQED's Silicon Valley editor. I mean, it's kind of weird to think about a city anywhere near these really wealthy communities uh, not having a bank. So what kind of city is East Palo Alto? It really only spans about three miles. And historically, it was a black community. That goes way back to the founding of Palo Alto, its neighbor. East Palo Alto used to be a part of Palo Alto. And when black people were trying to buy homes in what we now know as Palo Alto, they couldn't. There is a story about... um, the first black family being able to buy a home in this region that we now know to be East Palo Alto. In 1954, William Bailey and his family moved into a subdivision called Palo Alto Gardens. Neighbors were pretty pissed off that this black family had moved in. They actually raised $3,750 to try to buy his family off. When they wouldn't leave, one-fifth of his white neighbors sold their homes and left. That story got around really fast. And from there, um, real estate agents were telling all of their white customers, don't buy in this specific region because we have a black family. What you're talking about is redlining, right? Yes, absolutely it's redlining. Just a quick note here. Redlining was when the government drew actual lines around neighborhoods of color and called them undesirable. Banks use those lines to decide where not to loan. This effectively meant people of color were locked out of home ownership and locked into places like East Palo Alto. 
Then in 1977, Congress passed the Community Reinvestment Act to try to get banks engaged and accessible to all neighborhoods. There's something called the Community Reinvestment Act, which essentially requires that uh, banks have a branch within a region, within an area that is accessible to underrepresented communities. And all of these banks do have banks that fall into that because they're about two miles away or three miles away from East Palo Alto. But what is interesting, too, is because of the growth of the region, you can be two miles away or three miles away and still be a significant distance away where it is a burden for someone who needs to get to your branch. You're meaning like commutes, commute time alone. Yes, traffic. If they have to hit the road to go to a bank, it can take up to an hour to get to that bank branch in Palo Alto, even though it's only two miles away. And this is where it gets complicated with the relationships between banks and the community. There was a bank, several banks that uh, were in East Palo Alto in the 80s and in the 90s. And then slowly they started to close. We're now at where we are today, where there essentially are no banks in East Palo Alto. A resident who's lived there for about 10 years, his name is Mark Dynan, he was pretty surprised about this, that he had to travel either to Palo Alto or Menlo Park or Redwood City to do banking services outside of that ATM. And his bank happens to be Wells Fargo. I mean, yeah, of course you have the option of using another ATM and paying a fee, but that's almost like a tax for living in East Palo Alto, which uh, I don't, I don't think is right. Over the years, he's been asking them over and over, can you open a bank branch in East Palo Alto? And they really haven't responded. A city of 40,000 people where the average home price is $900,000, why don't we have a bank presence? I mean, I hope that's the conversation that they have. It's like, guys, we need to get on this. This, this should have happened 15 years ago. Why? He's so frustrated why that he's not gotten a response from his bank that he has put together a petition and is calling on folks to sign this petition. The, the intent is to, to raise awareness, to let people know, hey, this is an issue, we're not okay with it. When you don't have a bank branch in a community, you're not able to forge relationships that allow for lending and uh, those types of things that really build wealth for a community. Well, this is kind of a complicated part of the story because they weren't lending appropriately uh, before 2008, and then they they kind of screwed over a lot of people of color after that with the foreclosure crisis. And now they're still not really lending to uh, to families of color, communities of color. Um, so even having a bank in your community doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be investing in, in you. That's uh, right. Historically, in East Palo Alto, um, these banks have not been lending to them at the same rate. I did a search of um, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau database, which basically finds that only about 33 of the more than 400 mortgages issued in the city over the last four years have been granted to Black and Hispanic borrowers. And that's significant because the population there, they make up about 80% of the population there. Right. I was, I was going to say, like, what, what good is a mortgage now or, or even access to, to a bank when you can't even afford the mortgage? I mean, a lot, especially in a, a city like East Palo Alto, where it's, which is just surrounded by so much wealth, homes in that area are just so damn expensive that even if they, they had access to a bank, they probably, a lot of people wouldn't be able to afford a mortgage. 
That's true, but it's true all through the Bay. And there are still banks that have set up shop in other parts of the region. At, At the same time, if banks come into the community, is there any concern from anybody that that investment means things will get nicer? The investments will actually improve parts of the city, make people with money want to come to, to East Palo Alto even more, and then push the people who don't have money out? Right. That is the push and pull of East Palo Alto right now. Gentrification is a huge issue, and a lot of people are concerned about it. Um, as part of the petition, there's been a very robust Facebook discussion about this. When Mark Dynan produced this um, petition, he put it on the East Palo Alto Facebook page, and many people were saying, yeah, okay, we need a, a larger presence, but let it be another Uh, credit union. Hmm. Don't let it be Bank of America or Wells Fargo because they've never been for us and they won't be for us. And the only reason why they would come to this region is because they maybe feel like at some point there will be people who are their current demographic who will be moving into the area. I take it for granted, like how many ATMs I my you know I have access to just in my uh, either daily commute or where I you know, where I work and and where I live. Um, and Me too. Since I've been reporting on this story, I've been looking and noticing as I'm driving home how many ATM machines or bank branches um, that are just along my route, hmm. just in walking distance. Personally, I understand what it means to live in an area where you may not have the resources that other areas have. And so what I expected is exactly what I got. There weren't people who were fired up, but once you bring this issue to them, they're like, yeah. That's an issue. That's a major issue. For instance, I walked up to this guy, Eric Cody. We're doing a story about the lack lack of banks in East Palo Alto. And... I said, hey, I'm doing this story, and I explained it to him, and he kind of looked at me, and then as he talked, and the more he talked, you could hear that he's, like, really gearing up. A lot of times it breaks down um, often in the week, and so you have to go to a to an ATM that's not yours, so then you're paying extra fees because of that situation. When you've lived with something for so long, it just becomes normal until someone else brings it up and says, hey, you know, other places don't have to live like this. So then he started talking about the past. Like I said, I've been living here for quite some time, back in, uh, I'll say the 70s. And how he remembered back when he was a young boy, there were uh, bank branches in East Palo Alto, but slowly they started to close. There used to be a Bank America with where the McDonald's is. That's history. It's, it's no longer there. Folks know it's a problem. They understand it. But going to this ATM on a regular basis has just become a way of life for them. Did Mr. Cody say that he was going to sign the petition or that he would sign the petition? Yes. So after we wrapped up the interview, I kind of stood around for a while. And then I walked to my car to change the batteries on my um, my machine. And he walked up to me and he said, hey, can I have your card or your information. I want to know more about that petition. I'm going to sign the petition. Hmm. Tanya, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you. The petition only has a few dozen signatures right now. It's more of this symbolic statement than anything else. And who knows, maybe East Palo Alto will get a bank. But by the time a bank finally moves there, a lot of the people who've needed it and who've waited for it could be gone. 
Tanya did reach out to Wells Fargo, and the company said that in this particular city, it seems like people are more prone to just use an ATM or online banking. Of course, it's all they have. Thanks to producers Vinnie Tong, Ryan Levy, and Sandia Dirks, who made What You Heard sound so good this week. Senior editors are Holly Kernan and Ethan Lindsay. Our theme music comes from Daoud Anthony. I'm Devin Kadiyama. You've been listening to The Bay. Before I let you go, I just want to give you an update on The Bay's schedule. Next week, we're going to be giving you episodes on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And we're going to try that for a little bit. We are a small team of three, and we are trying to make what we love doing sustainable. So thank you so much to all those who've already subscribed. And if you have time, rate us on Apple Podcasts or leave us a comment wherever you chose. Thanks. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S.